0: Hello, this is Elizabeth Mower, president of BEI.
1: And I'm John Brown, the founder of BEI.
0: Each episode, we take you into the world of exit planning, sharing the
1: stories, struggles, and opportunities of business owners and their advisors. How's it going, everybody? Jared Johnson. Uh, We are here at the 2021 National BEI Conference. Uh, I'm sitting down today with Ashley Michike. She is the owner of True North Retirement Advisors. Um, we're gonna talk a little bit about some of the preconceived notions that owners have when they walk into her office uh, to talk about planning, um, as well as how to really build some clarity uh, for those owners who may not have uh, a, a direction, right? So Ashley and I were chatting just before this, Uh, and she says, you know, Jared, what I thought folks were going to ask me and and bring to the table, very different than what, uh, they actually bring to the table. So actually let's talk about that. So owners come to you and let's start with the ones who may not know where they want to go. Um, what are you hearing and and what did you, what what did you think you were going to hear when you got into this crazy exit planning game? Was it been four years, three years now?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I've I'm continually surprised at the variety of la- lack of clarity and in, in where owners want to go. And a lot of times they're really just overwhelmed because they're weighing a lot of different options at the same time. And they really haven't they don't have a framework for thinking through that and what's ideal in their situation. Yeah. And, they're, you know, it's very complex as far as who are you going to transfer your business to. And so. I thought when I started doing exit planning that there would be a clear path that would be laid out before I ever entered the picture. In that owner's mind, this is where I want to go. And so
1: but I'm, more I'm often than it not, to Johnny, <laughs> yeah, uh, or Sarah's been working her tail off. she's gonna buy it from me. Um, and your job is just to find the best path, right, or find the, the way to help them execute.
0: Yes, and it, and it's I find it's a real source of frustration for a lot of my business owner clients because they they don't have that cl- clarity of this is definitely the person who I really want to transfer my business to. And so and then there's other aspects of that. Well, you know, I have these maybe two or three key employees. They're getting closer to retirement too. And and maybe someone who's younger, who could be in this for long, longer, could be an owner, just doesn't have the skill set or they right. don't even want that. Right. And so and then they're just like, I don't know what am I going to do? <laughs> and no one in their family wants to take over the business. And so and maybe they may or may not have the the. Frame or the foundation in place to do something like a ESOP, or and then they're like, I don't even know who if my if I can sell my business, who would want to buy that? So they're the, just who wants to buy
1: this, right? They're just so <laughs>
0: overwhelmed, and and so we have to end up doing a lot of work in the initial phases of just figuring out what's Plan A.
1: Yeah. So so talk to me about that because you mentioned two things that I, that I really want to hit on. One is is. The framework—that's kind of the first thing that we talk about. They don't have a framework. Um, they don't really understand what the options are, or how they can get there. Or, you know, I got key employees, but they're on their way out too. We got a young—we uh, got a young lady who's in the business, but she doesn't quite have the the ownership chops uh, and may not want to develop them. So, when when clients come to you and, and say, "Hey, I, I have no idea," What's your framework? How do you help guide them through that path? So, to find plan A, to find plan B?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good question. Sometimes, so where I start is I eliminate the options that we know are just not a good fit so we can at least narrow it down to maybe two or three different options and then go from there and Great. and refine it from there sometimes what i've what i've done recently that i think is really helpful is i'll ask a business owner client if if I put a gun to your head today and said you had to choose this, what would you pick? And sometimes it really leads them to to go down a path where it's like, oh, yeah, I guess maybe this is truly the best fit. Right. And so when you frame it in that I have to make a decision right now today, what would I do? OK, I'm going to I'm going to pursue a third party sale because I just there there's just too many Things that have to fall into place too perfectly. Too junk
1: over here yeah. right, that we got to deal with.
0: Yeah, or like the, um, their timeline necessitates a third-party transfer, and the timeline dictates a lot of where we go with that. Yeah, so.
1: absolutely. So, so uh, in exit planning uh, for our listeners who are just joining, right? There's third-party sales. There's insider transfers, as we think about them, management buyouts, giveaway to the kids. Um, You know, certainly transferring out of state, planning. Um, From the transitions and the the exit plans that you've worked through, let's talk a little bit about timing. Uh, Because, you know, we always tell folks, you know, if you want to go third party and you want to get some money out of it and your timeline's short, you better have a really great business. Right. Right? Um, So talk to me about some of the differences between third-party and inside transfer timelines that you've seen and and deals that you've worked or helped business owners approach? Mm
0: -hmm. Well, I think in some regards, the insider transfer can take a lot longer based on how much they've groomed the successor owners Uh, and management. Do they even have a management team in place? Um, So a third-party transition, that's... That can be very quick if they have a very great business. And they Well, it could be
1: quick if they don't have a great business. They're just not going to get what they want, right? <laughs> exactly.
0: We'll give you pennies on the dollar. I'll take it. Yeah.
1: Just go on.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a, and it, what, what's fun about it is that it is different in every circumstance and every business and and the path and what that third-party transition looks like. Yeah.
1: Um, Cool. No, it's great. No, you mentioned, so it's, 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 um, I always love talking to you. So you say it's fun. um, And I really believe uh, dealing with these owners and helping them find clarity is a ton of fun. Mm
0: -hmm. Let's
1: talk about something that may not be as much fun. Uh, And maybe it's great fun for you. uh, But as somebody who's pretty stubborn himself, uh, what happens when you walk in, when a business owner walks in and says, Ashley, this is what I'm doing with my business. Here's how I want to get out. And you look at that situation and you're like, there's no freaking way. Mm -hmm. This is not going to happen this way. How do you approach those situations? And and owners who have, you know, uh, I've got a a buddy of mine who has a small tech firm and everybody thinks, well, you know, if I want to transfer to an insider, it's got to be an ESOP, Mm -hmm. right? If, If they don't really understand planning, he's like, Jared, I really want to do an ESOP. I said, dude, you got five people who work for you. You make good money. Mm -hmm. But you want to spend, you know, 20, 30 grand in valuations every year to get this done, right? So so talk about some of those situations.
0: An ESOP, I think, is a great example because outside of a very clear path, it's probably the most frequent uh, path that an owner comes to me and says, this is what I want to do. Yeah. And then I have to say, okay, well, let's look at this. And the nice thing is, is with ESOPs, there is a set of criteria that says you're a good candidate for an ESOP or not. Right. And so sometimes, you know, they might be a little stubborn. And I I like ESOPs. I've also seen them fall apart. Yep. My husband is actually a CPA and has worked with several ESOPs that have just imploded. Yeah. And so, and he's... A CPA, so he's very cautious by nature too. <laughs> so he's like, I don't ESOPs, you know, they it better be the the best fit.
1: It's got to really hit all the all the buttons, right? Yes.
0: So, but but I think a lot of owners they've heard other people talk about it, or they've heard of ESOPs going fantastically well right and they know of some of the tax benefits of doing the ESOP and and so they come and they say and, and they they like the idea of the employee ownership yeah, after absolutely. after they leave so there's a lot of cultural reasons the, the tax benefits you know it, it hits a lot of the I guess objectives and goals that an owner might have in, in exiting but a lot of especially small businesses like the one you were talking about where it, it just from a financial standpoint, it just doesn't make sense. It's it's going to de- deplete the value of the business just keeping this thing operational. Right,
1: right. So, so talking about, and, and again, look, BEI is a big proponent of ESOPs when they fit, right? Um, we always tell folks, we don't really care how a business owner wants to leave. We just want to help them accomplish their goals. Mm-hmm. So what are some of those goals um, that, or, or how do you help a business owner really uncover the goals that they have and develop that right plans? Because again, they like employee ownership. Mm-hmm. They like some of the tax benefits. Well, you probably know three or four or five ways to hit those same objectives without doing any ESOP, mm-hmm. right? Uh, leverage management buyout. There's, um, you know, transition to key people. Shoot, in some instances, giving the business away mm-hmm. um, to children, but. <laughs>
0: Uh, or their employees,
1: if or they, they want, yeah, sure. if they want, you know, who I, cares? I, I, Maybe that's legal. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so, so talking about how you uncover goals and, and really help a business owner shape what they're looking to do. hmm
0: Yeah. Good question. Uh, so most of the time when someone is motivated enough to actually do an exit plan, They've got a pretty strong pain point. And it usually comes down to, I'm ready to retire. Yeah. I really want to retire as as quickly as I, feasible, as, as I can.
1: It's possible, right.
0: So the timeline, I think most people actually start with the timeline. They say, okay, I want to retire no more than two years, and I'm out. I can't do this anymore. I'm being pulled in different directions, you know, grandkids or just – They've been head down running their business for 30 years and they're just done.
1: Yeah. They look up and they're 65 or 70, right? Like, yeah. I started this thing when I was a kid now I'm, I'm not going to say old because our <laughs> audience will get mad at me, but, <laughs> um, you know. They've I've, got a few gray hairs. They've got a few gray hairs. Yeah. I have a few gray hairs. So, so yeah, let's, so timeline is kind of the first thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's hit timeline. If folks, and, and I know we kind of talked about third party sale here, but if folks really have a desire to transition to employees um, or have a leverage buyout of some sort, uh, what do you see as, as kind of the ideal timeline? So if somebody comes to you, I'm burnt, I am two years, I gotta be done. One, how does that make you feel as an advisor? And two, When should people be calling you and saying, hey, I've, listen, I got to think about this now.
0: Yeah, I actually, I kind of parrot the BEI. Uh, advice around this. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Which is, you know, the more time that you give yourself, the earlier you start. Now, 20 years from exit, you're just not going to be motivated. Yeah, Their
1: plan's going to change 40 times in 20 years. Yeah.
0: But I find that five to seven years is a sweet spot because you can do a lot in that time period. And there's not two years to me. I, I get a little like stressed out just thinking about that, especially with you know, an insider transfer an yeah. or something because it's it's just there's a lot of things that already need to be in place and maybe you have to backtrack just and maybe you don't have the right systems and processes in place. Or maybe you're still way too involved in the day-to-day and if you accelerate your removal from that too quickly, then it it can, you know, harm the business well, in a substantial way. Yeah. yeah. So five to seven years is ideal. There's a lot you can do in that time period. Two years I get a little boo.
1: <laughs> we better start calling good business brokers in that two year range, right? <laughs> exactly. Like, uh, and have and a ready buyer. Pretty yeah. uh, pretty this thing up, find a ready buyer and let's let's get the highest price we can. Yeah. Yeah. Which good. is
0: great for, you know, if they can do that.
1: I, yeah, it's fantastic, right? Um, but sometimes it doesn't hit their, uh, we call them values-based goals, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to leave a legacy. I've been working with, I've been working with Ashley for 20 years and I want her to have the business, right? Mm-hmm. She's, um, so let's, let's talk. I, w- I want to kind of bring this to a head with exit planning and, and you've kind of, we've talked about this at this conference. We've talked about, um, this over cocktails. Sometimes exit planning is a, is a four letter word for business owners. So, so we help business owners, you help business owners plan for the future. Um, and whether you want to call it succession planning, whether you want to call it exit planning, whether you want to call it just good old common sense business planning, um, talk to me about some of the things that exit planning has uh, opened up for uh, you in your practice, uh, some additional areas to work with uh, business owners, and then also, uh, let's end on a let's end on a win. Uh, on you know, maybe it wasn't a full blown exit plan, but a business owner came to you and said, "Hey, I need some help," uh, and you were able to help them accomplish a goal that maybe they wouldn't have gotten to had they not come to you initially for some kind of planning.
0: I can honestly say to clients who come in the door, prospective client, there are only a few hundred people in the entire country that do what I can do yeah, for you. Yeah,
1: absolutely.
0: Yeah. So, um, so I started exit planning because really early on in my career, I was doing 401k plans, and I fell into that completely by accident. And so what I found is that I had pretty quickly I, I – started working with um, about 20, 25 401k plans, ramped that up from like zero to that number in about two to three years. And so what I found is that most of these businesses, they had maybe 10 to 100 employees, um, low kind of seven-figure to eight-figure revenue, and um, none of them pretty much across the board were addressing the elephant in the room, which was their business this highly valuable asset that was going to be an essential piece and they were just keeping their head down working in their business and and not doing anything and then i had a a client who died of a heart attack very unexpectedly and i watched what happened to his business his family His, his wife who was a retired school teacher actually had to come in and run the business and she had never had any involvement in the business prior to that now luckily they had a management team that could you know function pretty well but they ended up selling for significantly less than what the business was worth when he was around to a competitor wow. who then came in and laid off all of these longer term employees many most of whom were late in their career i don't know if you've known anyone who's tried to switch careers or change jobs late in their you know 50s early 60s actually i'm
1: i'm holding on to everything i have at bgi because <laughs> i hit 40 next year and I'm not looking for another job
0: yeah it's <laughs> it's tough it, so it had this devastating ripple effect and so that was actually the catalyst to start doing exit play that was about seven years ago so i started to have more of these conversations like hey what are we gonna do we're doing your 401k a lot of times i was managing their personal assets but what about your business yeah and so that really led to going deeper down this path and and I realized I didn't even know that exit planning was a thing. And I thought, well, you you bring in maybe your CPA and they can do some of this stuff over here and your attorney will do some other stuff. But really, most business owners are going to need somebody at the helm of all of that to yeah. manage the entire process. And I I really, because my background is in planning, I really, I'm well suited to it. Like I joke, if if I'm planning a birthday party for one of my kids, I have like a 30 point checklist of all the things. I don't I'm...
1: think that's a joke, <laughs> by the way. I, I, I would, it's crazy. I'd put money on the table that that is actually a real thing that you do. Yeah.
0: yeah. It's on my phone. I'll show <laughs> it to you. Yeah. And so, so I like. I like figuring out and prioritizing what we're going to do. And so it it just fitted naturally in my practice. And it's a huge differentiator, especially as a background as a financial advisor. Every financial advisor, there's like 300,000 financial advisors, okay? And, And most of them do wealth management and some planning. And maybe they sell some insurance. And they all look, talk the same. And they have the same value proposition. But uh, as exit planning for business owners, it's a completely different value proposition that they're going to have a really hard time finding somewhere else. Yeah.
1: There is uh, a lot of noise in the marketplace. But to your point, and and we've said it right, it's a real key differentiator. There are hundreds of thousands of financial planners out there. Um, There are, I would say, you know, uh, with, with our group, we've got about 400 firms at BEI. We support about 2,500 advisors. Um, like I said, there are about third, 350 to 400 who have taken the additional designation steps that you've taken. And, and listen, we're rigorous, right? It's 120 hours. You had to do two cases um, you, you put some work in to do that. And, and that differentiation is, is key. Let's end on a win for a client. Uh, let's something from a, again, planning situation that, uh, you know, had you not talked to them about planning for the future, had you not said, Hey, I can do this too.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, maybe they would have, gosh, I, I hate hearing about the client. Like you just had, had a heart attack and the wife had to come in and my wife would kill me a second time if something happened to me and she had to come run the business. She would literally like, she would dig me up and do it all over again uh, if that happens. So I, it's, it's challenging, but let's, let's end on a win. Let's give uh, hit me a high note.
0: Well, yeah. So what comes to mind first, I had a client last year, kind of an unfortunate situation. He, he ended up accelerating his retirement because of COVID. So he had some risk factors related to COVID and the, the business and the nature of the business. It just w- was something that, He was going to retire in a couple of years anyways, and he had two other business partners. So he sold his shares to the two other business partners. And this was the plan all along. So everything, all the... Everything was in place to do that. It was just the timeline was like, oh, we gotta we're gonna do this we're gonna now, now. <laughs> yeah. instead of two years. <laughs> so it worked out for him and the business did so well that they were gonna uh you know do that transition and then the payout of, of his portion of the ownership over I think it was three or five years. And then the business ended up having a really good year during COVID. And so he was able to get accelerated payments That's on great. that. And so now that COVID is, is waning, he actually is now an employee of this business. Wow. And so he gets to have the best of both worlds. He gets to do what he was doing before, but on his own schedule. And he has grandkids and him and his wife, they love to travel. And so they've you know, COVID has kind of put a,
1: a little little dimmer on that, right? Yeah,
0: <laughs> but so he, and he, he jokes that he failed at retirement because he his intention was not to go back so soon. Right. But he found that he just really wanted to stay active, just not as an owner anymore. And so he achieved all of the financial objectives and everything, and he still gets to work where at a place where he has meaning and purpose and value. And, um, there's a lot of, this is like probably a whole other podcast episode, but like the value and meaning that comes from work. Yeah. And I think a lot of, um, owners don't realize how much of their identity is wrapped up in them as an owner. So, it was kind of this negative thing at first cuz he's like, "I he speaking of a ship, he was a rudderless <laughs> ship." And then he realized, "Oh, I can just go back to doing what I was doing before, but in a different role, in a different capacity." And it was a huge win for him and the business because they still, they still benefit from him too being Yeah.
1: There. So, he had a plan in place. Uh, because it was it was uh, well designed and thought out, he was able to move it faster, uh, which is benefiting him. And then at the end of the day, when he was like, "Gosh, I, what am I doing?" Right? Uh, his wife says, "Why are you here and not at work?" <laughs> um, he's be, gets to go back and, and be involved in an organization that he created or helped build and grow, um, and gets to gain that purpose. So I'm going to hold you to uh, another podcast at some point on. Uh, understanding an owner's identity and, and what's wrapped up in the business, um, but I love hearing the story about this owner who was able to accomplish his target of exit um, in, a, in a in a timeline that had to be shifted because of the planning work that you guys had done um, and then was able to return and have some purpose in the business elsewhere. And uh, actually, I mean, that's why we plan. Mm-hmm.
0: Thanks for listening. Join us for our next episode. For more content like this, please visit exaplaning.com.